What is crackalacking, fellow thermonuclear AFers? I am Dan Favalli coming at you with a solo reaction to the Lakers-Wizards trade. Uh, the Lakers agreed to send three second-round picks to the Washington Wizards in exchange for Rui Hach- Hachimura, who will be a restricted free agent this summer. Before we dive into the impact of this trade on both teams, let me remind you that, please, it's time to subscribe to us wherever you consume us. If you're on YouTube, Hit that sub button, like, comment, help the algorithm love us back. If this is your first time checking us out, please hit that um, subscribe button on your favorite podcast player of choice as well. Pod, uh, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, wherever you're consuming us. And then follow us on the socials as well, at Hardwood Knox on TikTok and Twitter, at Hardwood underscore Knox on Instagram. And finally, if you've done all those things, join our Discord. The link to that is in the YouTube and podcast descriptions. Someone did DM me saying it's out of date, so let me know if it is, but I clicked on it before I recorded this, and it seemed to be fine. Um, But let me know if you can't join the Discord. And then really, finally, if you have done all those things, consider recommending us to people who you know like sub-mediocre basketball takes. With all that out of the way, let's get into the impact that this will have on the Lakers. So again, they're giving up the Chicago's 2023 second-round pick, um, the t- a 2028 second round pick is going to wind up being the less favorable of Los Angeles's or Washington's. And then the Lakers are going to send out their own 2029 first round pick to the Washington wizards. It was reported by Yahoo sports Jake Fisher that the wizards after trying to get a first round pick for Rui Hachimura, which I think we all kind of knew wasn't going to happen when he's in the final year of his deal, uh, were, were holding out for just more. And they ended up getting a third second round pick as part of this deal while Los Angeles was originally offering two. Uh, my guess is that they were probably dangling 23, that Chicago pick, and then 29, and then that 2028 second is kind of which has bridged the gap here. I think for the Lakers, there are two prisms through which we need to view this move, the cost and fit of Hashimura, and then what this deal says about how they'll approach the rest of the deadline. Nothing nuclear needs to be taken away from LA's overall logic here. This team is not one Rui away from title contention, but they're not bridging the galaxy separating them from championship aspirations without a mega deal. That's going to include forking over those 27 and 29 first rounders. And just as you don't jettison those picks for the sake of doing something, anything, you can't not make moves. If you're Rob Hoink on the rest of the front office, because they don't come with conditional tickets to the playoffs or they're not getting you a star you need to figure out a way to upgrade your roster diversify it deepen it um taking on Hachimura to me is a quality dice roll both now and if you want to look over the long term he doesn't turn 25 until February 8th so he's still 24 and he arms the Lakers rotation with some much needed size at that combo forward spot where they just didn't really have anyone I think his offensive armory while it's still beset by all this inconsistency, it's definitely taken a more discernible form over the past year plus. Through his 30 appearances this season, Rui is averaging 13 points while connecting on a career-high 54.5% of his twos and hitting 33.7% of his threes. He did just drop 30 points against the Magic on January 21st. That's an outlier. It had everyone up in arms about what he could do. I don't think to that extent he's not going to be that type of player on a regular basis. That's not a spicy take. But it did sort of it is sort of an indicator of what he might be able to do in a in a higher volume role he's averaging this season about 18 points on 62 true shooting while hitting over 40% of his threes when he plays more than 25 minutes and so we're talking about a sample of i think it's 13 or 14 appearances there but he should have the opportunity to get more playing time in the lakers rotation even after ad comes back just because he does in theory fill that void 
him though building on his accuracy from deep will be critical to his fit with the Lakers. He's been extremely low volume from beyond the arc for his career, about 3.2 attempts per 36 minutes, but he has downed his spot up triples at a quality percentage. He's at 30. This is per Kevin O'Connor of the ringer. Uh, he's at 36.6% on spot of triples this year. He was at 46.6% last year and 34.1% in 2020, 2021. Now last year was certainly an outlier, um, and, but, and the volume is going to go up. So is that going to help or hurt? I will say that him catching passes from LeBron is going to be a lot different than when he's being fed by Kyle Kuzma or DeLon Wright. Those are the two guys who have assisted him most, by the way, in Washington. He's also going to see an uptick, not only in uncontested volume, which a lot of his threes are already uncontested, but he's going to be seeing more volume from the corners. The Lakers are 10th in corner three-point attempt rate, and Rui shoots about 42% from the corners this year. And so he should get more of those looks. Um, teams will probably still really sag off him from above the break where he has struggled. Again, if he's being spoon-fed being spoon fed by LeBron in those instances, even Russell Westbrook in his dribble penetration, I think that's a benefit. There's also a quality fit here. When you look at the Lakers transition offense, they're committed to getting out on the run in part because they're, they're at such an asset or a weapon disadvantage in the half court. When you put the ball in Rui's hands, you can still get a little bit loosey goosey there, but he knows how to get behind defenses away from the ball. And then also just attack in open space. I think what becomes not problematic, but potentially thorny here is the rest of Rui's offense. More than 40% of his field goal attempts this year are coming from mid-range. That's just, that's par for his course. That's too high. He's knocking down 43% of them, which is above average, but it's just not a high enough clip to justify that type of volume. Um, he's also, but what you juxtapose that against this year, he's shooting about 50% on his pull-up two-pointers. And he's also shooting 68% on his paint touches. That might intrigue you enough to say, hey, let's see what maybe he can do in some of these second units, or if we want additional shot creation on the floor, and maybe we don't want to play Russ because we're worried what that might do to the defense. I I get it, but I just can't see the Lakers really testing Rui's on ball volume all that much. He doesn't give you a, enough as a passer right now. Uh, among 275 players to, who have finished at least 50 drives this season, only three pass the ball less often on those plays. And also when you look at Rui and what he's been able to do in open space as a driver, that space isn't going to be easier to come by in LA when you look at who is surrounding him. And I think the Lakers response, well, I don't think this Darvin Ham is smarter than this, but if the Lakers response is to just zero out his on ball volume, I, I it could throw him out of ri rhythm. It's not clear how effective he's going to be strictly as a play finisher. Uh, might they try him out as a screener a little bit more? Are they really going to rely on that? off-ball three-point shooting volume? Are they going to count on him just to make maybe quicker decisions with the ball where it's really get those catch-and-go situations where he was allowed to operate a little bit more methodically at points in Washington, even if inconsistently? I think regardless, you're going to see him play a fairly prominent role just because of his his archetype, like his positional flexibility, kind of um, you know straddling between the three and the four. That being said, whether he can sponge up higher-stakes defensive minutes – kind of remains to be seen. The Wizards insulated him against taking on premier assignments and responsibilities. They've had Kyle Kuzma and Denny Avdia do a lot of that. Uh, Rui has flashed the ability to close out hard on shooters and erase possessions and passing lanes, but he's otherwise just sort of low activity on that end. 
the Lakers can't just expect him to come in and be their go-to wing defender during crunch time. I'm not saying that's the expectation for them, but if you're going to play him with LeBron and AD and that's your front line, is LeBron all of a sudden your primary wing defender there? That's going to be touch and go, especially if you're still looking for him to create a crap ton on offense. None of that, like those concerns are damning. LA is not giving up centerpiece assets to land Hachimura. None is on an expiring contract and he's been up and down, mostly down for a chunk of this season. And the Lakers just have all these guards to spare. The Chicago second rounder could be in the thirties, low forties, but you can say the same about LA's own second rounder. And they still have that. You can always buy another second rounder in the draft. I can't get, myself to care about the 2028 second round or all that much either it's the less favorable of washington or la uh, either one of those picks will just land in the bottom half of the draft and that's what you're sending out or even if they're both good you're still getting to keep the better of them uh, that's not a huge deal if you want to look at the 2029 second rounder like that's a little bit tougher to to stomach the you can always buy more stance it loses a little bit of luster when you're talking about distant drafts just because second round picks are not sold until the night of. And while looking just at the draft specifically, okay, that's fine. It does hamstring your ability to sweeten up other packages. And so just not having that 2029 second in the chamber, it does put you at a little bit of a disadvantage in future trade talks, whether it's in the coming years or even for the rest of, um, of this season. That being said, like I, Look, you didn't give up a ton of value here for Rui, but it's a relatively small dice roll, even a reasonable price to pay here, especially if you are invested in him beyond this year. Woj says the Lakers want to sign Rui after this season. Uh, I would take that with a grain of salt. Let's see how he fits first. He is younger, but the Lakers are currently slated to have like between 30 and $31 million of cap space. If you want to re-sign Rui, his cap hold, restricted free agent cap hold to keep his bird rights is going to be almost $19 million. Now he will sign for less than that. So it could be cheaper to use his actual salary, but even if he gets, let's just say he even gets below the MLB, let's say he signs like his qualifying offer or something about 8 million bucks. That still cuts into the Lakers cap space. Free agency is not what it was, but the Lakers are the Lakers. And I don't think that they're just going to punt on potentially bigger plans, bigger fish because they have Rui Hachimura and there's just no other way for them to clear real salary off the books. Their big salaries on the books are Anthony Davis, LeBron, and then that's it. And then Rui's cap hold, if you go that route. So I think that this will be a very much just sort of, you know, not that Rui's a placeholder, but they're going to need to explore this and experiment. And it's not a given that he comes back um, unless he plays really well, because I think the Lakers are going to value that flexibility. At the same time, the Lakers did add ever so slightly onto their tax bill here. They took on about $1.3 million in salary. That adds a total of $3 million to their tax bill. Does this imply one of two things, or maybe both things, that they are willing to spend this season more so that if they can find a more expensive player by dangling the Patrick Beverly and another small contract package that they would make that deal? Um, that might be a good sign. Does it also mean that if they are interested in Rui, that they're open to then trading for someone now who has money that goes on next year's books? That was one of the biggest sort of questions here was, well, would the Lakers even put their first round picks on the table if it means they're also cutting into their cap space this summer. Uh, if, if it means you're going to have a player on your roster who you value leading into next season, I, I think the stance always should have been, yeah, you, you make the trade. Now it might seem more likely than ever, not that they trade their first round picks, but like, are they going to package salary in a second if it gets them someone who is actually on the books 
into next season because they might look at it as, oh, well, we have Rui and that's going to take up some of our flexibility. And if we need to clear someone who maybe their contract is not expiring this year, but next year, we'll figure out a way to move them in the moment. Or we think that our biggest splash is going to come via the trade market anyway, because it doesn't seem like they're going to trade those first round picks. So for what it's worth, this maybe does show that the Lakers are not only trying to improve this year's team, but are also open to making moves for this year's team that might impact their flexibility for the, the immediate future being this off season. And I think if you're a fan of seeing LeBron James play meaningful basketball, that's good. That all being said, the Lakers can't be done. This, this can't be, shouldn't be the move of the season. They need to do more to figure out how to acquire bigger, more bankable difference makers, because we don't know that Rui is just going to be this dependable contributor. I think he is far from a home run fit. He's interesting enough to where I, I think, yes, if this was the deal that was on the table, go ahead and make this. We also can't grade it or view it in tandem with what hasn't been done right now. The Lakers still have a few weeks to kind of figure that out. If this proves to be the only move they make, or if we go back and we see that, oh, teams are able to get better players um, or someone who's a better fit, like a Josh Richardson for the Lakers roster for cheaper, well, then we can come circle back and say, oh, was this really worth the swing? In the meantime, though, I think the Lakers flyer on Hachimura is entirely reasonable, if not ever so slightly encouraging here for what they're trying to do. And so I think this is a trade you just make if you're the Lakers. Let's see what else they do. They still just need more shooting, more higher volume shooting and uh, like and quality depth on the wings because Rui is like more of a if you want to stretch it at 3.5, I would say he's more of a four. They could use like some bigger twos and threes, like just real wing types that aren't, you know, Lebr there's LeBron James. You want to consider him a wing point wing, whatever. That's fine. Like then you have Juan Toscano Anderson and you have Lonnie Walker, the fourth and you have Austin Reeves. Like you just get into sort of iffy territory there. They need another wing type body. And I, this should not stop them from going out and getting that player. And so it's a, again, a really good sort of not even a stab in the dark, but taking a flyer on this younger guy who's shown a lot of offensive upside shouldn't torpedo um, what you're trying to do defensively, but does open up some questions. If you're playing him with LeBron NAD down the stretch of crunch time, very interested to see how LA uses him. And the bigger question for me, if we're looking at his fit and whether they keep him long-term, what is his role in the offense look like? And is he comfortable maybe being off the ball less? I think we tend to uh, understate how important, the flow or the rhythm of the game can be to players. If they've been used to operating on ball more, been able to attack a little bit more um, with some self-creation in the half court. I don't think he's going to have the same opportunity in LA. Maybe I'm wrong. So I like this trade for the wizards. Uh, excuse me. I like this trade for the Lakers, the wizards sign of things. So again, the wizards are getting uh, the, the bulls 2023 second, the less favorable of their own and LA's 2028 second. And then Lakers 2029 second rounder. I think the way that this needs to be evaluated, this move, it does absolutely nothing to clarify the direction in which the Wizards are headed for the most part. That doesn't make it malpractice or a complete whiff. It just isn't totally telltale. I think the reaction from Wizards fans was pretty holistically pissed off when they saw this and they believe that Washington was getting hosed. Um, this franchise has, for the most part, flat out sucked at drafting. So a smattering of second rounders for the number nine pick in 2019, Rui, is nothing if not uninspiring in a vacuum. We still need to take harsh realities into account. Hachimura was not bagging a first round pick on his own, not with his restricted free agency on the horizon. And so much of his game 
and fit just still unsettled. We could look, he's put together these stretches of really good offensive basketball, but they're stretches. They're never like these new normals. And regardless of what you think about general manager, Tommy Shepard and the rest of the organization, I don't read into reports like the one from Sam uh, Amico that said a rival scout told him, why do you rush to make that trade? If you're the wizards, I know for a fact they can do better than what the Lakers are offering for Hachimura. Those reports, if they're not going to assign specific context, what was the offer? Who are the teams? Put your name on it or something. They're dumb. Teams are not out here, you know, fr- believe it or not, are not in the business of deliberately or knowingly accepting crappy offers to move players they want. It's one thing to say the Wizards should have just kept Achimura. It's another to claim they didn't adequately canvas the league or actively passed on better returns without providing any context or support whatsoever. To that end, though, when you look at the surface value of this trade, the Wizards should have just kept Achimura. I think that there was just more upside there. Moving him doesn't serve any immediate purpose. You're not suddenly vaulting any deeper into the victim Wembenyama sweepstakes. And I think that Rui's offensive skill set would have been worth further exploration if you were concerned about the bigger picture and decided midseason to sort of steer in to this tank job. You also can't use Rui's pending restricted free agency as an excuse. He was also reportedly unhappy with not receiving an extension. He was asked by the Washington Post, I believe, whether he requested a trade and responded no comment. You don't get to imply urgency with any of that. The Wizards would have had the right to match any offer for Hachimura this season, And if for some reason he left for nothing, they would have missed out on two second round picks. And I guarantee you, they're probably not keeping them anyway. Like the 2029 pick, are they going to be the ones making that selection? Are they even going to be the ones making the Bulls pick this year? So the, the, the return wasn't massive in that sense. And to me, you only make this deal if you're just out on Hachimura. The Wizards might be at that point. And that's really not an egregious place to be because of how inconsistent he's been. The other element to consider here is that it does feel more likely now that they're going to pay, now that they're going to pay Kyle Kuzma and keep him. There's been a lot of reports floating around. Should they trade him? Does he even want to be there? He has a player option for this summer. You have Rui Hachimura going into restrictive free agency. You have Kyle Kuzma being a free agent. You have Denny Avdia, who's extension eligible, and I think more valuable than Rui Hachimura when you're looking at his defense and the passing off of dribble penetration. By the way, while he's injured right now, he's supposed to return in two weeks, Christoph Porzingis has been really good this season. He has a player option, so he's going into free agency. You're looking at some contract decisions that were all coming up at the same time. The Wizards weren't going to pay everybody, and they especially weren't going to pay all three of Rui, Kuzma, and Avdia. You didn't have to make this decision right now. Again, you could have just seen what does Rui do to close the season. But it's not, you know, it, they're not out of place to say, well, we weren't going to keep him anyway. We're more invested in Avdia and Kuzma. And we also want to have the flexibility to keep Kristaps Porzingis. I'm fine then with them taking two seconds. And then they increase their wiggle room under the tax this season should they want to make additional moves. It's not a ton. They're still inside $2 million of the tax line, but. Any breathing room helps when you're that close. I don't think this trade had anything to do with Kendrick Nunn. He doesn't profile as a long-term piece. He does give you some on-ball jet fuel and and unpredictability, and maybe that adds some much-needed change of pace to Washington's offense. But I don't think you acquire him thinking, oh, like, we just need the diversification from Beal, Monte Morris, and and DeLon Wright. I just, I don't see it. I mean, maybe he ends up being more valuable to Washington's offense than Rui, but I, I would still be surprised. For the most part, I would argue this deal is more TBD when view, when 
kind of evaluating it for the Wizards. What does Hachimura become in LA? That's going to matter to this. And what does Washington do next? Is this a long-term cost-cutting dump? Are the Wizards contemplating more seller-type moves to where, oh, things heat up with Kyle Kuzma on the block? Maybe when we hear some Christoph Porzingis rumors. Are the Wizards contemplating more, like, buy now trades to where they wanted these second-rounders to glitz up those offers? And that's something to consider, by the way. The Wizards, as of right now, because of the way their obligation to New York is structured, they can't guarantee teams a first-round pick before 2028. They can trade conditional selections, but they can't guarantee them a pick before 2028. That's going to matter to certain teams. They're going to want a guarantee. And so if you can include just seconds to glimpse up, maybe not blockbuster offers, but smaller time or medium size offers, they might've just wanted the extra second round equity there, especially as a team that has not necessarily drafted well in the second round over the last decade or so. And that's why I'm, I'm more interested to see what they do in the weeks and even the months to come, because we have to look at what happens in the off season over free agency. Do they extend Davdia? Do they keep Kuzma? What happens with Porzingis if he opts out? I'm not going to be a fan of teams saving money. They could have just kept and paid everyone, but I do understand the team building logic here. I don't think that it needs to give you any more confidence in the wizards direction, which I would argue is among the, the most hopeless or aimless in the NBA. They actively seem like they're trying to just, float around the the middle or the submittal um, i would have by now torn everything down and rebuilt the roster that is still on the table for them if they want to do that no one expects them to do that i just don't see how their path to something better than they are now where you're going to contend for a play-in spot or a low level a lower level playoff spot in the east uh, what is their pathway to being better than that or winning a playoff series in the next few years i don't see the path that especially when you look at, you know, Johnny Davis, Corey Kispert, like some of the guys that they've drafted of late, not being these huge different makers. I don't think trading Rui Hachimura though hurts that path in any way. It feels like if anything, a lateral move, did you really think that Hachimura was going to play well enough over a longer period of time to be this huge swing piece for them? Maybe you did. And if you did, you're not going to like this trade. Like I said, if the stance is you think they could have done better for Hachimura, you were banking on the market for him increasing in appeal over the next couple of weeks. If your stance was, he's just going to help this team. We need to see more of him. Then yes, keep him. I think that that's a, a fine stance and a fine critique to make, but the, the bigger issues facing the wizards still stand. And this trade doesn't really help or hurt that. I don't even think it's really clarifying if they did it to keep Kyle Kuzma and to reinvest in this exact core. I understand it. Do I support reinvesting in the core? Probably not. At this point, I would rather see them strip it down, but you also have to evaluate these trades within the character of the organization. And the, the wizards have been frankly flat out obsessed with sort of being where they are right now. Yes. They want to be better than like 10th place in the Eastern conference, but they're trying to chase a, a playoff berth. That's why you keep Bradley Beal. And if you're operating on his timeline, this isn't the type of trade you make. I want to make that clear. Like this wasn't a win now trade, but you do reload your assets or you look at your assets in the the vein of well what can we do to maximize now or the immediate future and i think with them they believe maximizing the immediate future involves resigning kyle kuzma maybe reinvesting in porzingis if he goes into free agency and i would argue with all the rumblings out there that kyle kuzma wants to leave the wizards have shown in the past that they have a pretty good pulse on whether guys are going to resign look at what happened with davis bertans he was i mean that contract ended up being a fucking nightmare but 
they thought the the news was they get at least one first round pick for him that season. Um, maybe even two or just the equivalent of a pick and prospect. They kept him because they knew that they could resign him. And it's did it with Bradley Beal. You didn't actually trade him. You knew you had the trounce card of offering him that contract, but you had to have insight into whether he would actually stay. So I would imagine even if the leaks right now aren't coming from Kuzma's camp about the Wizards being confident in his ability to resign, this trade makes it more likely that they resign him unless again, they pivot leading into the trade deadline, which I would be very surprised to see if they do. And I would categorize this immediately. The Rui Hachimura trade exists in this unspectacular, but not damning vacuum. If you want to have a problem with the way the wizards do business, I think you need to look just at the more fundamental scale, more wholesale mistakes that they've made or more wholesale moves that they, they haven't made. I don't think that they've squandered some potential sleeping giant in Rui Hachimura. It's should they have kept him? Like I said, if this was the value on the table, I would have kept him. But I also would have made that move in tandem of thinking, well, I'm also trading Kyle Kuzma. I'm also looking at maybe even trading Porzingis. And I'm looking at more of a a gradual rebuild. And I just don't think that that right now is on the table for the Wizards. We'll have to see um, what else they do leading into the trade deadline. And so there's a TBD there for them. I like this trade a lot better for the Lakers than the Wizards. That's all to say. But I I think people are being too hard on Washington. And I don't think they ended up squandering this massive asset in Rui. And I think it matters more to look at what do they do before the February 9th trade deadline? What should they do? Let me know, comment, add on to it. Would you blow up the wizards? Would you tear them down? I, I don't, I, I think the overwhelming sentiment, even among wizards fans would be, yeah, like let's go the nuclear route. But if you're not going to go the nuclear route, uh, you kind of have to plan around while keeping this core together, which I think is what they did here. That's what to me, if we had to pull away a sweeping conclusion is that the wizards are mapping out a blueprint to keep the crux of their core together. Looking at Beal, looking at Christos Porzingis specifically looking at Kyle Kuzma and maybe even looking at Oftia. That's something that really hasn't been talked about. Hope you enjoyed this until next time, please remember to subscribe YouTube, Apple podcasts, follow us on all the socials at hardwood Knox links are in the podcast and YouTube descriptions. Join our discord. The link to that is in the YouTube and podcast descriptions as well. I'll be back with another podcast. I believe um before we begin our trade deadline previews i might do my most interesting teams at the the trade deadline just to throw something else out there and then we will be rolling out division trade deadline primers i think one of them is going to have to be released on a saturday as we do the western conference this week so please download and listen to podcasts on a saturday to help the numbers and keep us rolling in name brand no show socks uh but yeah other than that i leave you to shout out to the one the only the indelible the legendary frank